You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. church family. So good to see all of you. Thank you for for being with us. I love seeing more and more of our church family coming back from online and being a part of our our gathering here this morning. Real quick, just a couple house cleaning. How do you say that? A couple house cleaning, keeping, housekeeping uh, things. Um, Next week, you are not going to want to miss our gathering um, in person online uh, because Annette and I are not going to be here. That's not why you don't want to miss it. but uh, we are traveling to Texas like right after church. We're going to go home, load up the car, and we're going to Texas right now um, to visit family. I get to see a sister I haven't seen and or hugged face-to-face in, in like seven years. And so we're doing that. But next week, we're going to continue our Summer Psalms mixtape series. And we have a guest speaker who's going to speak. Her name is Sayla Cosentino, one of our own church family members. She's serving in kids right now. Um, but just make sure that you tell her when you see her, like, I'm so excited to hear you speak. Um, And I'm excited. She's actually probably going over one of the better Psalms of this whole series. When she was like, I want to do this one, I was like, man, why didn't I do that one? That one's so good. Um, and so you, you won't want to want to miss that. Um, and we thank you for your prayers as we're traveling. I'm driving with three kiddos under the age of seven in a Honda Pilot. Um, it's going to be so good. Um, so this morning, though, we are continuing in our Summer Psalms mixtape series. Um, we're going through the Psalms of Ascent, the, the songs that Jewish people would sing together when they were traveling to Jerusalem for their festivals that they experienced, right? So for, for this, uh, the, the Psalms of Ascent are like your, your traveling playlists, right? Your traveling mixtape, if you're old enough to know what those even are. Um, and so I, what I want to do is I have a really encouraging message for you this morning, and so I want to start with the title first. Really encouraging. The title is, Life is Just Not Fair. So encouraging, right? Life is just not fair. How many of you parents have heard this in some form from your kiddos lately? It's not fair, right? Why did my brother or sister get to do that and I didn't? That's not fair. Why is his scoop of ice cream bigger than mine? I say that about Miles. Why is his bigger than mine? That's not fair, right? I'm not sure when kids become aware of fair, but I suspect it's at a pretty young age. You probably see it in your own kiddos if you've got them. Um, I remember when I was younger, my my parents helped my second oldest brother uh, buy his first truck. Um, it was a piece of junk that needed a lot of work, uh, but, but my parents helped them out nonetheless. Um, they purchased the vehicle and they made a deal with him. Um, We'll pay for it up front, but you have to pay at least like half of it back or something like that, Um, which I thought was a pretty good deal. Um, I don't remember the whole story, but for some reason, my brother couldn't or didn't live up to his end of the bargain. He he couldn't pay my parents back. 
And then fast forward just a, a few years, I'm old enough to drive, and I'm thinking about my first car. Maybe dad and mom will, will make the same deal with me, help me buy my first junker car. Can you see where this story is going? <laughs> Did my parents help me buy my first car? No. Why? Because my brother ruined it for me. Who else has siblings who ruin things for you? Yeah. Um, he left a bad taste in my parents' mouth, right? So they didn't feel comfortable making the same deal with me. Right? How do you think I felt? That's not fair. Right? Why am I being punished for my brother's mistakes? I'm the, I'm the good one, parents. Come on. Right? We, we all have experiences of unfairness in life. And that understanding of fairness, it doesn't leave us when we get older. In fact, we probably become more aware, more sensitive to what is and what isn't fair. Right? It just looks different as we get older. Right? Instead of ice cream, it's grocery lines. Right? You're standing for a long time in the grocery line, and then all of a sudden the, the lane next to you opens up, but then that person behind you sneaks in front of you. That's not fair. Whoa, right? Or, or you're, you're waiting to be seated at the restaurant. Um, and that family that you know put their name in after you, get seated before you, and you're hangry, so you're like, I don't think so. That's not fair. And we all have these small examples of unfairness in life. You might be thinking of some right now. But I'm sure we have some heavier examples too. Right, why, why did my loved one, why did my loved one get sick and die of COVID? And whenever everybody else seems to be doing fine. That's not fair. It really isn't. Why did my child have to get leukemia and die at such a young age? That is not fair. Why, after 10 years of dedicated service to my company, was I the one who got laid off? That's not fair. Why did my spouse want to leave when I loved and served them with everything that I had? That's not fair. And I think many people, they take these heavier examples of unfairness and they point them back to God. Right? God, why would you allow this to happen? How, how could God let a child die so young? Right? What did I do to deserve my spouse leaving, getting laid off, whatever? And people make a case against God because of the unfairness, the injustice and evil in the world. To the point of saying, well, then there must not be a God. Because a, a, a loving God would never do this. Right? But when you think about it, that logic starts to break down. Um, and and C.S. Lewis, he found this out in his own life. As you know, C.S. Lewis, the, the beloved Christian author, Chronicles of Narnia, all these other awesome books, um, at first he was an atheist. He looked at the world as unfair, as unjust, as, as full of evil and wrong, and he decided, well, then there must not be a God. But somehow, maybe through friends like, like Tolkien or just simply reading, he realized that that logic, it can't actually stand. He started looking at other worldviews of the time. And he realized, well, if there's no God, then I shouldn't actually want life to be fair. I shouldn't want life to be fair. Because with natural selection, which was the, the dominant worldview of his time, right? when, when the strong succeed and the weak don't, when the strong prey on the weak, you can't look at that and say, well, that's just not fair. Because that's actually just the way of natural selection. That's the way of life under the order of natural selection. 
And so if this is the view that someone wants to follow, then concepts of equity and fairness, they shouldn't be pursued. We shouldn't care so much about the vulnerable and the underprivileged in our world. That's just natural selection. And that didn't set right with C.S. Lewis. And I, I suspect it's not sitting right with you either, right? That's not what we want. Why? Because we were created with this desire for fairness. We were designed by God with an innate understanding of fair. We see it in our kiddos from a young age. Because our souls long for the original creation. We long for the perfection of the garden. Our souls long for the ultimate place of perfection and paradise and fairness with God in his coming kingdom. And that's why we intuitively long for and try to achieve fairness in this world. But here's the truth that, that might be shocking to you. Right? I don't believe life is fair as it is now. I think we all agree on that. But even more so, what I think is shocking is I don't think God is fair either. God is not fair. Right? Life is just not fair. But what we're going to see today as we go through another psalm of ascent is that life and God not being fair is actually a really good thing. It's a good thing. All right, so let's turn to Psalm 130. Uh, the psalm that we'll be going through today, and let's read what the psalmist has to say. Let's do the work together. Let's open our physical Bibles, our digital Bibles. There's something about just getting the word in your own hands rather than just reading up on the screen. But let's read Psalm 130. Verse 1. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So this is life is just not fair. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word. God, as we struggle with this idea, this thought of, of you not being fair and it being a good thing, God, I pray that you would help us to see why that really is. We thank you for this psalm that, that kind of illuminates it for us. And Lord, I pray that, that you would help us to, to learn more about you, who you are, what you've done for us. And we would leave this, this place with greater hope than we had when we first walked into this building. God, we thank you for what you're going to do through this psalm today. We love you. We say all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. So the, the heart of this psalm, um, at the heart of this psalm, the, the author is rejoicing and he's praising God for his unwillingness to be fair. And I know th this idea of God not being fair, not willing to be fair, it sounds kind of off, right? Kind of wrong. But think of it this way. Uh, fair is often seen as getting what we deserve, right? If I work hard, it is right and fair for me to reap from my hard work and get what I deserve. We all agree with that, right? What if you do something you know is wrong? What if you knowingly break the law and the consequences of the law are now at your table? 
you broke the law, so you deserve the consequences, right? If fairness is getting what we deserve, then it is fair that we receive the consequences of breaking the law. And we don't like that very much, do we? No. You see, we want what we think we deserve when it's good, but when what we deserve is bad, no thank you. We try to avoid it at all costs. Police officer, please just let me go. I know I was going 50 in a 25. Let me go. Don't take me to jail, right? And the same is true in our walks of faith. When we are being good, right, walking in faithfulness and obedience to God, we want there to be benefit from that. But when we aren't being good, living however we want to in sin, we don't want what we deserve in that moment. Right? When we're struggling in life, we cry out to God, God, that's not fair. But when we're living in sin, we cry out, mercy, God. And we kind of see this play out in the first two verses of Psalm 130, which you can kind of hang out there for a moment. But, but the psalmist, he's crying out to the Lord from the depths. He's crying out for mercy. And all of us, we're going to find ourselves in the depths of life from time to time. All of us will experience pit-like circumstances, like Andy from Parks and Rec, if you know that, right? With that awesome song. Um, and sometimes we are forced into the pit, because of circumstances beyond our control. You did nothing wrong, but you were fired. You loved and you served someone, but they betrayed you. Unpreventable illness and disease, it afflicts you out of nowhere, and you find yourself in the depths. But also there are times where we get ourselves into the pit by our own actions and our own decisions. We make a wrong choice that leads to negative consequences. We do something we know is wrong and hurtful. I mean, when I sin against God or when I hurt or sin against somebody else, it happens, right? It's hard for me not to fall into the pit and feel like I'm in the depths of despair. It's hard to not allow shame and guilt to overcome me. You see, all of us, whether beyond our control or by our own actions, will experience the depths, the pit from time to time. And when it's beyond our control, it is terrible. It is unfair. But when it's because of our actions, we hope to avoid the consequences of it. But no matter how you end up in the pit, what matters most, the real question is, what are you going to do when you get there? Who are you going to turn to when you find yourself in the depths? And here in Psalm 130, the author, he's in the pit, but from the rest of the psalm context, we know that he's there because of some kind of sin or wrongdoing. He's not there because someone forced him into the pit, right? but because of his own actions. But what does he do while he's in the pit? He doesn't wallow. He doesn't sink deeper into despair. He doesn't shake his fists at God. No, he turns to God as his rescuer. Now, we, we do see that he's crying out for mercy, which mercy is when you don't receive what you do deserve. And the psalmist, he's penitent. He's, he's recognized that what he has done that led him to the pit is wrong and that what he deserves is consequence. So he's turning to God, showing remorse, being penitent. He recognizes that he can't save himself and that he needs God. Okay, but he's, he's also choosing to praise and worship God because of his unwillingness to be fair in that moment. 
And in this psalm, the author gives us four reasons for why we should rejoice at the fact that God is unwilling to be fair to us. All right? And so the first one, if you're taking notes, the psalmist gives, uh, the, the first one that the, the psalmist gives us, uh, the reason to praise God for not being fair is for the way he listens. For the way he listens. Again, from the context, we know that the psalmist is in the pit because of his own wrong. Right, sinful actions, and yet he's turning to God, crying out to God. And what that means is that he expects God to listen even when he didn't listen to God. And the same is true for us too. Just because you don't listen doesn't mean he won't listen to you. And I can't help but think, that's not fair. That's not fair. And so often, God gives us the clear path a clear direction, right? This is the way to live and walk if you're gonna follow me. But we choose to not listen and do otherwise. We choose to not listen and we experience the consequences of that. And if life and God were fair, God could just say, sorry, you made your bed, you gotta sleep in it, right? Sucks to be you, you gotta get yourself out of the pit now. But that's not what our amazing father does. When we cry out to God, he listens to us, and the psalmist is counting on that, and so should we. Verse 1 and 2 again. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And church family, God is attentive and listening to those who turn to him. God is always compassionate his mercies are new every morning. He's always there with arms open wide to receive whoever would turn to him, even when we don't deserve it. And that's not fair. Hey, listen to what it says in a different psalm. Psalm 50, verse 15. It says, and call upon me, this is God speaking, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. God's mercy towards us is totally unfair. But we should praise and glorify him because of it, for the way he listens, even when we don't listen to him. So that's number one. The second reason we should rejoice because life and God aren't fair is because of the way he forgives us, the way he forgives. So not only does God listen to us when we don't listen to him, but on top of that, he wants to forgive us. He's willing to forgive us in the midst of our disobedience. And that's not fair. Right? We, we see this in the passage where the psalmist says in verse 3, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? He's saying, who is able to live up to your standards, God? Who in the world can proclaim to be blameless and sinless? No one. No one can stand. And in the midst of being in the depths, of being in the pit, right, the, the pit that we often get ourselves into, it's arrogant to think that we can get ourselves out of something that we got ourselves into, right? that, that we can save ourselves. And that's what the psalmist is confessing in verse 3. I deserve to be here for my actions. I failed to listen and follow you. And again, I'm not saying that every time you find yourself in the depths that, that you deserve to be there. I'm not, I don't want you to hear that at all. I'm not talking about those times when someone or something forces you into the pit. Right, those sins against you, 
Those injustices are terrible, but I believe another part of scripture where God says, vengeance is mine. I believe that. God's got you. He's going to take care of you. But what we also have to recognize in humility is that all of us have done things that are unjust. All of us. All of us have done things in rebellion against God and that are hurtful towards others. All of us. And if our standard for being righteous before God and receiving the blessings of, of eternity, if all of that was based on us, who could stand? Or as Paul, he says it in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we don't like to admit this, do we? It's not fun to come to terms with our own fallenness and sinfulness, but we can't avoid it. We also can't avoid the clear consequences of our sins either. Paul says later in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. And that death is separation from God. Separation from being who he created us to be. Separation from living in the kind of world that God intended for us to live in. Right? That's the bad news. But the good news, we just got to read a little further in Psalm 130, verse 4. The psalmist says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And church family, this is completely unfair. It's unfair. God showed us the way. He clearly communicated with us his standards, and we chose not to follow and listen. So God shouldn't have to forgive us, but he does. He listens when we cry out to him, and he forgives us, which should inspire fear like we talked about last week, the fear of the Lord that causes us to pause and go, whoa, God, you're amazing. Justice, according to God's ways, is that we deserve death for the sin we commit against him and others. But he has shown great mercy, withholding what we do deserve and giving forgiveness instead. And if that inspires you to awe and wonder and gratitude, right, transformation in our lives, shouldn't we want that for other people? Right? Shouldn't we, who know the power of forgiveness, walk in God's ways and also be forgiving to others? I think what this passage, through the example of God, is, is challenging us to do. Listen, this passage is challenging us to be unfair. He's saying, be unfair to the people in your life who don't deserve forgiveness and give it anyways. That's the way of God. And not in some virtue signaling manipulative kind of way, but in a fear of the Lord kind of way. Awe and wonder. I can't believe God would do that for me. I'm going to do it for you. Right? You who've received forgiveness, go and give forgiveness. And we, you can read um, parables of Jesus about these things. Right? And this is a way that we can worship and rejoice in God for the way he forgives us. So that's number two. Third reason. The psalmist gives to rejoice in God for his unwillingness to be fair is because of the way he heals us. And not only does God hear us and forgive us, but the truth is, is that we all come to God with hurts and brokenness. All of us. Right? We all come to God believing that he will make us better than we were before we followed him. Right? And at the start of us following Jesus, there are some things that happen instantaneously. Forgiveness is one of those. We just talked about that. 
Right? As soon as we say yes to Jesus, we're forgiven totally, completely. We don't have to seek that. It's ours. But other things like acceptance, love, the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, salvation, these are all things that are instantly ours when we start following Jesus. But where salvation is instant, deliverance and healing is a process. Where salvation is instant, deliverance is a process. Why? Well, like we just said, we all come to Jesus with wounds, hurts, brokenness, baggage from the past areas of our lives where we need freedom and deliverance. And yes, God saved us in an instant, but there are some wounds, some baggage that takes a lot of time to heal and to walk through. And that God would want to journey with us in that is completely unfair. Because on top of listening to us, when we don't listen to him, on top of forgiving us, when we don't deserve it, God also wants to lead us and help us become whole and complete individuals. What? If God chose to just hear us and forgive us, that's already way more than we deserve. But that he also wants to heal us and take us on a journey of becoming whole. Whoa. The Bible says in Romans 8, 29, that that God, he's seeking to conform us into the perfect image of his son, Jesus. God is awesome. But how does that conforming, how does that healing, that deliverance happen in our lives? Well, we see it back in in the Psalm in verses 5 and 6, which say, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. And what we see from this, these two verses is that there are three positions that we must understand when it comes to God working out healing inside of us. And the three postures are waiting, hoping, and watching. Waiting, hoping, watching. Let's quickly look at each of these individually. The first posture is waiting, waiting for the Lord. How are you going to be healed? How are you going to be delivered? We have to continually wait on the Lord. And sometimes we think of waiting as just like sitting there, doing nothing. But another pastor that I like to watch, he says waiting doesn't look like that. Waiting, and he grabs his towel, he drapes it over his arm like a waiter. He says, this is waiting. Going after God, pursuing God, not just waiting, but waiting on the Lord. Continually praying, right? Not just coming to him once at the start of salvation, seeking forgiveness, but daily coming to God, choosing each day to wait on him. And we don't have time to go through all of the verses, but there are tons of passages in scripture that talk about the blessing that comes to those who wait Just do a word search on waiting in the Bible and you'll be encouraged. The the second posture of healing is hoping. Hoping. Specifically, the psalm says hoping in God's word. This means turning to God's word every single day. Opening your Bible, your digital Bible, your physical Bible, whatever you have, and reading it. But not just reading it mindlessly, but trusting that while you read his word, that it's going to cleanse your heart. It's going to renew your mind. All of these things that God promises when he, we, to us when we read his word. Right, some of the greatest moments of healing in my life were not when somebody prayed for me. That's good. We're not from hearing a word from somebody else. That's good. But simply reading the word of God 
and understanding who he is and what he's done for me. Some of the greatest moments of healing have come just from that. Healing, it comes from waiting, hoping, and then the third is watching, watching. Verse 6 talks about waiting for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And in ancient times, especially in cities like Jerusalem, they would put watchmen on top of the walls to, to keep an eye out for, um, for invading enemies, right, trying to take over. And the watchmen, they worked in these shifts so that there were watchmen 24-7. And you can imagine those night watchmen, probably tired, cold from being in the dark desert, longing for the sun to come up over that horizon because they know that that, that means their shift will be over. Right, they could rest, get warm, go home, get some, some food to eat. And as they watched, get this, they didn't have a question of whether or not the sun would come up. They didn't question that. They didn't think, man, is the sun going to come up today? Right, that, that wasn't in their mind at all. No, they were confident and they knew the sun would rise, but they knew they would have to endure the darkness before they experienced the dawn. They had to go through a season, a moment of darkness before they could experience the light. And doesn't that seem to be true for us sometimes in our own lives? Sometimes in life, it's, it's darkest just before the dawn. We feel the coldest just before we feel warmth. Life is really hard sometimes before it gets easy. And yes, God is going to heal you from whatever hurts and wounds you have. He has a plan for you, but it is a process. It takes waiting on the Lord, hoping in his word, and watching him expectantly. We talked about that a few times in Philippians. And just when it seems the darkest, the coldest, the hardest, you'll see the sunrise coming up over the horizon. You'll experience healing. And church family, that God would want to take us through that healing is completely unfair. Because he doesn't have to. It's better than fair. That's God's mercy. That's his grace for us. And so the, the final awesome way that God is not fair and why we should be happy about that is the way he helps us make good. Make good. Okay, so not only does God hear us when we don't listen to him, not only does he save and forgive us, not only does he want to heal us and make us whole, but he also wants to see wrongs righted in our lives. When we see something wrong in the world, we want to see it righted, right? We do. Right? And that's not just when wrong has been done to us, but we also want to see our wrongs righted when we've done it to others. That's that feeling of remorse that you have, that feeling of guilt that you have. Why did I do that? that? That feeling of, I need to fix that, and I need to make it right. Well, God, he make good on the damage that we have caused. He helps us right our wrongs, not as a condition of salvation or forgiveness, but because he doesn't want that to fester and, and, and yeah, fester inside of us. Essentially, God gives us second chances to do better than we did before. Which means that when we fail as a parent, as a child, as a spouse, as a friend or employee, whatever, God gives us the opportunity to redeem the situation. Because God is the God of redemption. Psalm 130 verse 7, it says it this way. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and I love this, and with him is plentiful redemption. Plentiful. 
And I think we all have areas in our lives where we seek redemption. Areas of our lives where we think, man, if I could go back and I could do that over again. If I, if I could get a second chance to make good on the situation. And you know what? The world doesn't always offer that to us. But God, his redemption is plentiful. God, I believe, will give us opportunities to do good that will actually redeem the wrong that we've done. And so this is kind of a repeat from last week, but it only helps to be reminded. With God, it's not too late if you've messed up in life. You cannot change the past, but God can redeem your past in the present and make way for a better future for you. You don't have to remain estranged from your children you don't have to uh, be a slave to your past that keeps you from moving forward. You don't have to remain in a damaged and broken relationship with your spouse. It's not too late. It's not. With God, there is plentiful redemption. And I think of the story of Zacchaeus, right? A Jewish man who worked for the enemy, the Romans, collecting taxes from his fellow Jews. And he was known as a little man, not only in stature, but also in character. Because he wronged a lot of people. He, he stole money that he didn't need to take. But when he followed Jesus, when he met Jesus, he decided that he was going to right the wrongs in his life. And he was elated and happy to go door to door to the people he wronged and not just return what he stole, but give them more. And so before Jesus, he was known as a little man. But with Jesus, he became the bigger man through restitution through God's redemption in his life, right? With God, redemption is plentiful, and that's just not fair, but in a good way, right? And so I, I hope you see through Psalm 130 why life is just not fair, and God is just not fair, but why that's actually a good thing, and why we should rejoice in God's unwillingness to be fair in so many moments of our lives, right? He hears us. He forgives us. He heals us. He helps us make good on our past mistakes. It's so undeserved, but it's ours in this life right now. But if that wasn't enough, we are also promised eternal life, treasures in heaven. We're promised a mansion in paradise with God. Right? There's so much more beyond this life that God has for us that we don't deserve and I can't help but think, one, that's not fair, but also, who's paying for all of this? Right? Who's paying for all of this? If I don't deserve it, if there's nothing I could do to earn or pay for the undeserved blessing that I have and that I will have, then who's paying for this? Well, the unfairness isn't over. Because we know that our undeserved blessing did come at a cost. Because Jesus who lived a perfect, sinless, blameless life. He died the death we deserve because of our sin. One of the most unfair verses in all of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that him, we might become the righteousness of God. That is so unfair. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? 
Are you moved to awe and wonder and praise and worship because of the unfairness of God and the willingness of Jesus to pay the price for our blessing and favor in this life and in the life to come? So life isn't fair. God is not fair. Praise God. Because if it were, we wouldn't have Jesus. And maybe you're here, maybe watching online or listening to the podcast sometime later, and, and you haven't made the decision to, to stop following in your own ways, but to instead follow in Jesus' ways. I hope you see why, why it's the best decision that you will ever make. I hope you see the, the unfair blessing, the transformation that God has for you in Jesus. And if you've used the evil of, of the injustice in the world as a case against God, I hope that you see with God, we can actually move towards real justice, real fairness in this earth as it is in heaven. So follow Jesus in his ways. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, follow Jesus in his ways. Say yes to Jesus and receive all that he has for you. Amen? God is unfair. Amen. Right? God is unfair. So here's what I want us to do. Real, we'll go through the questions real quick. Luke, if you can throw those on the screen. These are great questions to think about and reflect upon throughout the week. These are the questions we go through together in our growth groups with other brothers and sisters from our church. Number one, why do you think we tend to blame God when we experience unfairness and injustice in life? Number two, based on the message and in your own words, why do you think it's a good thing that God is unfair? How has that impacted your life? Number three, why do you think it's a good idea to forgive others? What could you benefit from giving forgiveness? Number four, what opportunities have you been given to make good on your past mistakes? Amen. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.